the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 146 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me, like every week, is the Alexi Sanchez of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. We've got a big week this week. It's actually 5 o'clock here in the morning, 5.30. The UFC St. Louis card is just after finishing, so we're going to get straight to that and talk about that. We're going to look ahead to UFC 220. It's one of the best cards in a while, well, maybe not the best cars, but the best top two fights anyway in a while. We'll we talk about that. Uh, Big John McCarthy is taking over um, the co-commentary role with Bellator and Jimmy Smith has gone over to the UFC, so we'll talk about that. And Bellator have a big card this weekend as well, UFC 192. Robert Whitaker is out, Frank Edgar is in versus Max Holloway as well, so we'll talk about all of that stuff. Graham, how are things? Yeah, good, good. It was a, it was a good weekend of sport. It was a good way. I went for Liverpool over Man City. Uh, Nearly blew it, but uh, got there in the end. And a uh, brilliant game as well. So uh, that was good. And then uh, the Vikings uh, won in the last second as well with a ridiculous play. So uh, that was pretty good as well. And uh, as you said, top couple of fights were really good as well on the, the St. Louis card. So uh, yeah, it's been a long day of different sports, but uh, good results uh, all around. Yeah, fair, fair play to Liverpool. They, they played well in fairness against Man City, although they all... <laughs> Almost fucked it away at the end. I wouldn't Total. be Liverpool if it wasn't a few goals going in the other way as well. Like. Yeah, Carrius is nearly as bad as Minya. There, like, got on. Like. Uh, let's not go too. too <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's not go too far. But yeah, Man, Man United have basically signed Alexis Sanchez as well. Looks like he's on his way tomorrow. So by the time this podcast comes out, Mike come out, comes out. Hopefully, Alexis Sanchez will be a Man United player, which is absolutely brilliant. And everyone's gonna start saying, "Oh, he's twenty nine and he's old and all." And like a week ago, they were saying, "Oh, Man City, they're getting Alexis Sanchez now. They're gonna be the best team of all time." So th- those are where things go. And Liverpool sold Coutinho as well, actually, in the last week. After you said last week, you didn't think he'd go. Yeah, I said I thought it was hopeful. Maybe it was wishful thinking, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a strange time to sell him on. They should have waited till the end of the season, but. Uh, it looked for a little while like Kaida might be coming in early, but it doesn't look likely now. So uh, Oxley Chamberlain is going to play a lot of football. It looks like, and he he did well. He did well against Man City earlier today, but uh, he's definitely not on Coutinho's level. Yeah, it must be shitty too selling your best players to big clubs. Like Man United are taking the big players from other clubs. Well, nobody's interested in any of Man United's players because they're all crap. The hell. <laughs> nobody's interested nobody wants Man United players nobody wants would want Rashford or Martial no, or Pogba or nah, not really not to go out of their way and pay 160 something million not for Pogba no oh come on would De Gea not be the most expensive goalkeeper in the world if he was to move he probably would be but he wouldn't be 160 odd million it's worth if fucking Liverpool invested that 160 million they got or whatever it is for Coutinho and De Gea they'd be a lot better off fuck's sake yeah. get Allison in get Allison in yeah you're, you're falling in love with Allison although Ederson today wasn't great was he I know I know that's weird. Well, Allison Allison keeps him out of the Brazilian team for a reason I'd say yeah, uh, like I was saw, I was watching the match I was like Ederson is gonna get lobbed in one of these games if he keeps doing what he's doing and then like 10 minutes later Salah just lobbed him yeah I was talking to somebody earlier about about him uh, being prone to coming out rashly and doing that so mm. uh, yeah he's, he's had it coming he has had a come in fairness. Right, let's get to the let's get to the MMA, and I'm sure we'll have a few soccer questions at the end as well. Uh, and just tonight, UFC St. Louis, it's what's 5:33 a.m. now. 
uh, were just out from the card, and it was a it was a card that went from absolutely terrible to absolutely great between fights. Kind of, it was kind of a 50 50 card, uh, like that. Uh, with Jeremy Stevens, uh, knocking out Duho Choi in the main event in halfway, basically halfway through the fight, halfway through the second round with a beautiful, uh, a beautiful, uh, right hand and then ground and pound. It was, it was a fun fight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was, it was a really good performance from Jeremy Stevens. He seems to, he, he seems to, have improved recently and he's always he's always a hard hitter but uh he, he mixing it up well he's not swinging for the he's still swinging hard but he's not swinging for the fences with every shot but um it was a it was a close enough fight up up until that point but i think jeremy stevens was landing the more impactful than with the harder shots and uh i actually think uh, a few people were calling uh early or uh, an early stoppage but i think it was actually a really really good stoppage and uh i think Choi stayed down for for a minute or two afterwards and uh i think that was a really good stoppage from the ref yeah, I was one I was kind of 50 50 on. Like, if you just look at the stoppage by itself, you can see why people are saying early stoppage. But I think it's very important to look at what came before it. And Jeremy Stevens knocked him down hard and then absolutely bludgeoned his head off the canvas with, a, with one punch of ground and pound. And like, from that, you're looking for something, you're looking for recovery. But all he did was cover up. And when he covers up like that, I think you have to stop it. And I, I agree with you. Seeing what he did afterwards, you know, that he was obviously hurt. I, th- I thought it was a grand stoppage. Yeah, um, there was big force in them ground and pound shots. He wasn't mm-hmm. just he wasn't just trying to land ground and pound to, to, to keep him down. He was trying to finish the fight. And uh, Choi just ate, ate a few too many in a row. And the, and the ref was well entitled to stop it, I thought. And I think Choi staying down for so long kind of proved the, right, the ref right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a very interesting fight. Actually, we we're kind of getting to it there. Like, it, it was just basically exchanges the whole way through. I think Chai plays a dangerous game the way he defends shots, and you know we hear always about people talking about uh, about striking defense and stuff. Move your head off the center line. He doesn't do that. He moves his head straight back, and that's grand if you've the if you've the if you've the leg work and the footwork to go with it. But a lot of times he wasn't doing it. He was just going straight back, pulling his head back. And Stevens was coming over the top with right hands, hitting him a lot of the time. And I, that was it looked very, very dangerous uh, the way he was doing it. I thought Stevens fought, fought pretty well, though, because he he was doing it. He was throwing those right hands over the top. And it's dangerous because Choi was was throwing like these little uh, right and left hooks on the inside, trying to get, catch Stevens on the chin when he was coming in. But Stevens was brave enough to come in and throw those shots, um, landed a few good leg kicks as well, so did Chai. It was, it was kind of a back and forth fight, really. And I, I, I don't know, I kind of expected it to be like that. And I thought Stevens would land a, would be the harder hitter, land the harder shots. Like people joke about him, you know, when he said he's the hardest hitting 145 on fighter. But he, <laughs> does, he does hit hard, there's no doubt about it. And I think it was uh, the Naked Gambler over on Twitter there tweeted that if you let someone like Jeremy Stevens hit you the way that Duha Chai was hitting you, he's eventually going to knock you out. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, Duo Choi, like he's very exciting, but he is very hittable, and th- there is a lot of holes in his game. But but he is still very young. Uh, there's a problem coming coming up for him though. I think he he's going to be have to go do uh, Korean military, so uh, it's not good timing. But may- maybe maybe the timeout will will do him good if he can if he can continue to train. I think um, the Korean zombie was able to. I think he was teaching martial arts in in the army, so he was able to kind of at least uh, keep in the game a bit. So. Uh, uh yeah um that's probably gonna stunt him a little bit but uh he like he's still very young and even even with the military service of i think it's two or three years he'll he'll uh 
he's definitely not the last we've seen of him. And when you're in exciting fights like this, uh, Dana White will uh, kind of gravitate towards you. He keeps keeps people like uh, Diego Sanchez and people he likes who who slug it out. He keeps them keeps them around a bit longer, even if uh, even if you're dropping a couple of fights. And I think uh, Duho Choi just uh, it, it's it's. Maybe time to take a step back and fight some, some nice style matchups and get his confidence back and get and get some more highlight reels going and then maybe make the step up again um, before he goes off to the military. Yeah, like if you're looking at Duotai's record, he's 14 and three now after last tonight, and he he was training on the UFC before. Obviously, Cub Swanson last time beat him, and, and Jeremy Stevens tonight, and it was Sam Cecilia and Tiago Tavares were his last two fights, which were you know steps up. Uh, you know, along the way, Sam's still not a terrible fighter, good KO power. He knocked him out. Tiago Tavares, a veteran, a good guy, knocked him out. And I think he was deserving of a move up then. Uh, he, you know, he's a lot of knockouts, a lot of finishes and stuff as well. I think like nearly all of his wins came via knockout before that. But as you said there, it, it's tough when you see someone going in there and they lose to a Cubs once and then they lose to Jeremy Stevens, And you're thinking, like, is this stunting their growth? You know, it's, it's December 2016 when he fought Cubs Swanson. You know, what is that? 13 14 months that's that's an awful long time to be out when you're a young fighter like that as you said he could be gone off doing military service now it's that's a very very tough one i think and you know i thought it was a bit of a conversation on twitter tonight about the US, ufc strategy with young up-and-coming fighters like that should they be giving them maybe easier match matchups should or should they be moving them up and giving them hard guys like hubs once and like jeremy stevens in and it you see it when they got you know someone like McGregor gets a, a Holloway early and a, a Mendez early, or even Holloway. Like you look at that McGregor Holloway fight; it's perfect. Like one of them moved on and became a champion. One of them got a setback and then went on to be a champion. So you know it can work both ways, but you know it's. I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan to be honest of throwing them to the wolves early, or if you do throw them to the wolves early, give them maybe a bit of a step back if they do lose then. And then I suppose Jeremy Stevens, it's two wins in a row for him now. He beat Gilbert Melinda's last time out and, and do a try this time, obviously, after a couple of losses to Frankie Edgar and Hanato. I cannot look. I don't think he's getting any title shot anytime soon. Uh, lost to Max Holloway in 2015. Obviously, Holloway's fighting Edgar, and we'll be talking about that in a while. But mm. yeah. He mentioned Ortega, didn't he, in the, the interview afterwards? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure about that one to be honest. Brian Ortega's mar- uh, ranked number three at the moment. Now, that's a weird division though because you have like Josh Emmett is there ranked number four. What is he? One or two wins there because he beat um, who was it? He beat was it Cubs one or Ricardo Lamas? He beat. He he got moved up. Uh, or was it Cubs one? Who did he beat? Yeah, he it was Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I'm I'm not I'm not in with these rankings at all. Though, like just because yeah, the rankings Ricardo Lamas. I don't think he should be ranked that highly, like after one or two wins at Featherweight. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good fights. You know, um, Darren Elkins won there tonight as well. That could be an interesting fight. Um, you know, yeah, your Rodriguez is hanging around there as well, looking for fights. You know, that, maybe that yeah, is probably another one. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, your Rodriguez is probably another one that you kind of need to. You know, you'd be better off kind of going slow it and maybe not giving somebody as uh, difficult as as Stevens, but. Uh, the Elkins fight similar timelines as they both fought tonight. Maybe maybe Elkins needs a bit more time off. He took a good bit more damage than uh, Stevens took in his fight. So uh, depending on when Stevens wants to fight again, they could put that together. And I think uh, people get excited about that. Both of them bring it. Both of them go forward and look to look to put the other guy out. So uh, that'd be a very interesting matchup. I definitely want. I definitely watch that. Uh, what about that Elkins fight? It was. 
again, yeah. the same thing from Darren Wilkinson. Absorbing Wilkinson. the damage in the first round and just just so hard to put away. You just you can't beat that guy. <laughs> you really can't. Like it was he's he's so good at doing what he does. Like I, I tweeted it kind of half joke and half serious at the time. This that fight in the first round was going exactly the way a board of them wanted to go. You know, <laughs> Darren Elkins was exor- absorbing all the punishment. He was he was staying in it. He wasn't going out. Michael Johnson was winning the fight clearly. I gave him a 10-8 in the first round. Like Darren Elkins, that's where Darren Elkins strikes. And Elkins got a takedown straight away in the second round. It was like, here come here comes Elkins. That that's exactly where Darren Elkins wants to be. Like that unbreakable spirit like that, and an unbelievable chin where you cannot let where guys can't break you, even when they batter the shit out of you, they can't break you. And you come back and you break them. That that's one of the best traits an MMA fighter can have. It really is. Dar- Darren Elkins, don't sleep on Darren Elkins. I, I you know I say it a lot here, and people kind of think I'm half joking, but I'm not. I like Dar- Darren Elkins has won six in a row now. He's beaten Robert White for Chad Skelly, got afraid of Pepe, Mirsad Bektage, Dennis Bermudez, Michael Johnson. No jokes, any of them, like especially the last three. You know, Bermudez is a win over Holloway and Michael Johnson. He, he finished Michael Johnson quicker than even Nurmagomedov finished him. Mirsad Bektish, one of the top prospects in the world, still for me. I've been saying it for years. Don't sleep in this yeah, guy. I can't argue with that. Mm. Can't argue with, with his last few fights, like uh, Uber Prospect in, in Bektish. It looked like he was outmatched and he managed to find a way in the first round of this fight with Michael Johnson. It looked like he was, he was, uh, he was getting outclassed and. He just was able to take it and just readjust. And obviously, when he took it down, it was a different story. And maybe maybe Johnson's first time down at 45, maybe he got a little bit extra tired uh, or tired uh, extra quick because of that. But maybe it was just because he was he, he was going for the finish in the first round and he just couldn't get it. And he, he was landing, but Elkins was just able to take them without much without much bother. So uh, it, it's it's. At some stage, the chin's gonna go, but but until it does, he, he's gonna be he's gonna be very hard to to beat. Like you know, five in a row, or what is it, six in a row? Mm-hmm. Like they have to give him somebody big now. Like the Jeremy Stevens fight, like is a small step up maybe, but um because Michael Johnson's just unproven in the division. But Michael Johnson was was, was I don't know what he, how high he was ranked in the in the lightweight Tenth, division. I think yeah, but, yeah, I would have said he was top ten. So. He's no joke, and it's another, it's another really impressive win. Um, I don't know, if, I don't know if the casuals know him at all, but you can put together a pretty good highlight reel, and he's pretty memorable with his tattoo on his chest. So, <laughs> legend, he could become a cult hero. Yeah, he should I, I be already. I don't just know how on he Michael is. Johnson as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he kind of already is. I'm, I'm trying to make him a cult hero single-handedly. Is he, is he, is he even brought on to Team Sheehan? He kind of has to be now. I think he kind of by proxy he's on the team sheet you now because I've talked so much shit about him. Darren, welcome. Although Mirsad, Mirsad Vektic is on. Team. Like I was, I, I was looking like an old tweets there a while back with Team Sheehan and like Habib was on on Team Sheehan. Obviously, Wanderboy was there. There's a few more lads as well, you know. Um, obviously, Vektic, um, Benil Dariush, Francis Ngannou, obviously OG Team Sheehan. You know, there's a lot of good guys there, you know. Making making waves and I'm telling you, Team Sheen's really good. But uh, just on on Michael Johnson, you mentioned it there about the cut down to one forty five. There was a lot of a lot of differing talk. I thought online about it, and I thought he I didn't think he looked great at all. I thought he looked very very drained. Um, he got very tired very quickly, to be honest. Although that is he's kind of done that before, even at one fifty five. But you know, more so in in this fight, like he was he was beating up uh, Elkins pretty good. 
and about three or four minutes in, it looked like okay, he's he's taking maybe a step back, he's slowing it down and stuff. But then when he came out in the second round, he kind of just died to death. You're like, oh, maybe he wasn't taking a step back. Maybe he was actually just wrecked tired, you know. And he looked to be puffing from the mouth. You know, you you, it's an old boxing uh, trick people are always talking about when you see the mouth gaping open. You know, they're really tired, and he he seemed to be a little bit. And that, you know, that, I think when you when you take a bad beating like he took against Habib Nurmagomedov. You, you're looking for a different way, you know, you're looking for, not an excuse, but you're looking for a way to get out, and you, that Justin Gaethje fight obviously came after it as well, it was a great fight, but when you take a couple of losses like that, you know, it's, it's you're just looking for something new to re- revitalise you, and I'm not sure if this was the right move for him, to be honest, uh, I think rebuilding might be better off, you know, he always puts on exciting fights, as you were saying there with Duha Chai, Michael Johnson's an exciting guy, and, um, I think he's a guy who could stick around as well because he does put on those exciting fights. You know, he fought the year last year over in Severe May with uh with Justin Gaethje. So yeah, I, I don't think he'd have much fear of that to be honest. Even though he's lost a few in a row, but yeah, it was it was a little bit worrying. But it it's exciting times, really, isn't it for the for the featherweight division and you know with, with the likes of and and Jeremy Stevens coming through and the likes of Yair Rodriguez as well you know there's a lot of as you said there and maybe not the biggest names but there's some good tough guys coming through there and you know some good tests from maybe not some good tests from Max Holloway but some uh some you know good hard-working guys maybe who will get their shot because I'd say Holloway is just going to defend and defend and defend yeah yeah just uh, on last thing on Michael Johnson as well he, like he, he's he's maybe 45 is the place for him I, I I probably would lean that it isn't from uh on the little we've seen but he's always been inconsistent you know he has wins over people like uh Barboza and Tebow and Ferguson at, at 155 mm-hmm. so he, when he's on he, he can be really good and he he was ta- he was um marking Khabib or Habib up in there in their fight true two fights ago for Khabib so he, 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 when he's on form, he's on form, and he 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 looked good before losing to Gaethje as well. He, he, obviously, he got finished, so it didn't go well in the end. But he, he's uh, he's exciting, as you said, and he's uh, maybe he's a bit inconsistent. Maybe maybe with another cut and more comfortable at forty five, maybe maybe he will be able to make make a bit of an impression there. But mm, yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't know. I don't know if it was the right move down to forty five. But he he seemed to get tired even even quicker than than he has in the past. Yeah, while we're on the 145 pound division, what do you think it is, Frank Edgar versus Max Holloway matchup? Yeah, I think it's brilliant because because you hate it so much, so that's great. Oh God, I, I was talking to I was best, actually talking to Pizzi there ever. earlier. Best fight ever. I was talking to Pizzi there earlier, and he said I was slowly turning into Graham, and I was like, yeah, God, my 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 disdain for Frank <laughs> my disdain for Frank Edgar is really reaching Graham level. No, I don't. Know. I actually I actually like Frank Edgar. That's, that's the thing. I actually. I like Frank Edgar. I just, I just don't like the way uh, the American media just, just fawned over him for years and just, just, I don't know. They were just going overboard, and it was, it was just a bit ridiculous. Yeah, like I, I just think he's terribly overrated. Yeah, that's honest. it. That's it. The, the, the media, the, the, the American media, and the fans were just, were just going, were uh, way overboard. Like it was just ludicrous. Yeah, and like I, I don't mind that so much, but then like. If he loses this fight, he's lost more title fights than anyone else in a row in UFC history. Like, how can I? How can I not voice my displeasure at that? Like, like, and I, I'm not. I, I'm kind yeah, of. But he's a name. He's a name, and uh, yeah. casuals have heard of him, and they they know of yeah. him because of all the all the uh, hyperbole about him and stuff. So uh, yeah. that's what sells. And if if you put him in there against Max Holloway, people know both of them, so that has the potential to draw people in. 
Yeah, but like I'm one for you make the best fights. I don't really care about wins and losses and all this shit. But like, and it's it's going to be a good fight. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit, but like the fact that Edgar <laughs> has proven time and time again that he he's just not reaching that top level anymore. Like he, uh, I th- uh, you'll say it for me. Like BJ Pin probably beat him in that first fight. You know when he won the the title. You know he back and four fights with Graham Maynard, fifty fifty kind of fights. It's the same some with Vincent Henderson, and then. Uh, Jose Aldo kind of destroyed him twice, just outclassed him. Now Jose Aldo's gone on to be outclassed by Max Holloway twice, kind of. You know, I, I know it's MMA mad a little bit, but I can't, like, I find it hard to see Max Holloway not doing the same. I Like, I, I, we talked there for the last 10 or 15 minutes about the, the division and all the new guys coming through, you know, there's a lot of guys. And I feel, I just feel like this is harkening back to the old featherweight division. Like, you need to move on from that whole Aldo McGregor, Edgar Mendez thing and get a little bit of life in there. Like, I'm not saying Frankie Edgar never gets a shot again. What, he's two wins in a row. Like, at least let him get four or five wins to get back after four lost title fights in a row. Like, is that too much? But it's stats? kind of the time to do it now, isn't it? Because there's no real other outstanding candidate. It's kind of it's it's. There's a Darren. few up and coming, but it's few up and coming. But you, you give one, you you give him one more against against somebody known like or somebody like Ortega who's ranked three, and then. And then uh, I I think it makes sense to give Frank Edgar the shot now because if as you say it's kind of. It's never, it's never and ever really for Frank Yeager. Like this is kind of it. He's he's had a lot of title shots uh, recently since he lost his uh, lightweight belt. And if you don't put it together now, you know you you might lose out on that named matchup that the fan, the casual fans w- w- would maybe pay for. Like uh, people pay for uh, what was the pay per view number again for for the the Holly Holm Three hundred forty thousand to three hundred eighty. Yeah. It's probably a about a hundred thousand or fifty fifty to a hundred thousand more than people thought because people know of Holly Holm through mm-hmm. the Ronda thing and they know of Cyborg just through hearing about Cyborg. People people talking about it for years and being a really divisive character and polarizing and all that. So it just it just makes business sense, I think, and it's it's not like it, it kind of makes sense as well in the in the if the sport way, but even though it's not really it's it's entertainment first. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. It makes sense, but I just don't like it, and I will. Vi- I always voice my displeasure about things I don't like. Because even if Frank Yeager won a couple more, you'd you'd probably be giving it anyway. So no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like if he's earned his way back into it, like fair enough. Like I, I'm one that always says like Joseph Benavides. He deserves another title shot. Like he won enough fights to get back in there. Give him the shot. Like and uh, people are. I don't know, maybe he isn't a sexy enough name like Darren Elkins and people are like, no, no, he's already beaten him twice. Why? Let's give him Chris Carriasso instead. Like, no thanks. <laughs> you know, like, it's grand once you earn your way back in. But like, and I think that division especially because like, because McGregor held the belt for so long and then there was like two interim champions in the space of a week and a half or something. God almighty, like, yeah, that division, it just needs to move on. And I just feel like this this is just holding it back. But yeah, bar, bar is two losses to Aldo, though. He hasn't lost in, in the featherweight division. And he, he's been fighting good guys like Chad Mendes. Uh, I know that was a while ago now. Jeremy Stevens, Yair Rodriguez. Okay, Faber was a bit of a weird one, but he's fighting. BJ Penn. He fought fucking old man Cubs, BJ Penn. Swanson. Yeah, Charles Oliveira, though. You know, these guys, like, he's definitely been fighting top guys, like, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Just never give Frank Yeager a shot again. <laughs> like, I, I, uh, Darren Elkins, like, why, why are people hating on Darren Elkins so much? Six I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think I know. 
I, I just gone full paranoidly. People are just not, don't really know, don't really care too much for some reason. Even though he should be like a cult hero because he's yeah, he's got that ridiculous tattoo and he's he's got the style that people usually like. But uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know. He hasn't caught on for some reason, but maybe he finally will. Rally for Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins title shot 2018 hashtag. Let's do it. Your, Let's bo- get your, your, your boy uh, Usman against uh, Meek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking Meek. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the most liked moments in the podcast, in podcast history last week, I think. <laughs> People die and you're roaring at you calling Meek. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, but the, it was a not a great fight, was it? Like Usman, he said afterwards he's fighting at, at 30%. And like it was a kind of stupid and <laughs> stupid and weird thing to say, but you understand what he's saying. Like he's definitely not not there yet. Like we we've talked about Usman before after his last oh, well, fight. Do you think he was saying that, or do you think he's talking about being ill or injured or something? I don't. It think seemed so. more like that to me, and then Maybe. then talking about his potential. Maybe, but, but he, yeah, it could go. Either way, I think there's just so much more. Like there's so much raw potential there with him. And he's, you know, he he has it all. He didn't show too much of his striking tonight, like which was which was a bit unfortunate uh, that we didn't kind of see more of it against Mech. Like people were saying, he want nothing to do with Mech on the feet. Like, did he not want nothing to do with Mech on the feet, or did he just want to take him down because he knew he could absolutely destroy him on the ground? And... Well, it's just an easier path to victory, and it's just mm-hmm. a smart way to go. But he was he did eat a few big enough shots on the on the feet as well, but not nothing nothing to put him in much danger. But he. Um, Mech actually did pretty good from the the bottom with a few elbows at the end of the the first yeah. round, I think it was, and cut him open. But besides that, they are probably the biggest shots in there from the back. So if that's the biggest shots you're taking in a fight, then you wouldn't be too worried about that. Yeah, Mech will full Neil Siri there for a while uh, when he was on his back. But yeah, look, I saw I said it myself, and I saw a few more people saying I think Neil Magny would make sense next for Usman. Like slow the roll with him now a little bit. I think like if you're if you were to give him. This fight, I think, was a weird matchmaking. Like, I think it was a perfect time to give him someone like a Perry or like a Till, where you could build him up against a favorable enough, favorable enough matchup for him. Mech was just a weird one because, like, like we knew he was going to kind of destroy Mech. We always knew it was kind of going to go that way, and he's not really getting any rub off that. You know, he's not really taking out another big prospect like Mech. Mech is good, but I don't think anyone is saying he's, you know, a title contender. He could be in the future, but not anything anytime soon. I don't think. So I, I think you have to go forward slowly again. You know, Magni just beats uh, Carlos Condit. I think that I think that would probably make sense next. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of people I say seen Darren Darren Till as well. Uh, my Perry and a few more guys. Like I think Usman would probably handle Darren Till pretty easily. To be honest. And, well, yeah, I, I think he would. But like, even if he doesn't, even if Till comes out and knocks him out. Like, you're just killing off two contenders when they're not up to that level yet. Like, you know, I think both of them yeah. will be very good. Like, I, I like 2019 or so, I think Till will be fighting for a title. Uh, Usman, maybe the end of this year, 2019 as well, I think he'll fight for a title. I think both of them are going that way. But, like, they're not there yet now. Like, and they're so close. Why would you room? Like, I think you put, you know, Till in with someone like a Masvidal or a Perry or, you know, a Lawler or someone like, maybe not that much, but, you know, and you give Usman someone like a Magni or, or you know, some, uh, Dong Young Kim or Yancy Medeiros or someone like that, just looking at the rankings here. You know, it's... Yeah. You have to be careful with these guys. 
there's no rush with either of them, and and it, it, it the fight wouldn't be that big now. Maybe it'd be, it'd be big with hardcores, but it wouldn't be that big now, and it has the potential to be a lot bigger in the in the future. So, usually you'd keep two two prospects like those away from each other for for as long as possible. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. The comment event then Jessica Rose Clark came in and beat Paige Van Zandt by a um, unanimous decision. She got all three rounds on one judge's card and two in the other. I thought it was pretty clear. First two rounds went to Clark and, and uh, the third went to Paige Van Zandt. To TKDPVZ, who broke her arm somewhere in the first round, I think she said, and then went full Taekwondo artist in the third round and ended up winning the round for me. It was a weird, very, very low quality fight, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a good. It was a good performance uh, by by Rose Clark, but Paige Van Zandt just didn't didn't look right from the start. She she just wasn't able to deal with, with getting hit in the face. It seemed <laughs> she, the, the 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 arm. I don't know when that happened. It it, it didn't look like a full broken arm. Anyway, maybe there's a broken bone in the arm or something. It didn't look to be kind of hanging or anything or like flopping, but. Uh, obviously, fighting with her for for several minutes isn't isn't going to help it either. So it's probably it's probably worse now than it was at the start. But uh, I thought Rose Clark could have attacked it more. Maybe she didn't she didn't realize. But um, they should they should they, they should have people watching the broadcast uh, <laughs> telling them about that shit. Uh, yeah. If they don't, but uh, yeah, Paige Van Zandt. Um, I think the UFC were were hoping to uh, position her for for a title shot and try and try and get her. Uh, in a in a in into the, the the title picture at least for the the, the new division because she's she's known from Dancing with the Stars she's known she's known from main eventing against Rose Nami Yunus and um, casuals just know her just in general so hasn't really worked out for them there I think I think they probably expected uh, they probably expected uh, Paige Van Zandt to win and they probably didn't expect uh, Jessica Rose Clark to be as good as she was. Um, she got a split decision over Beck Rollins in her last fight. Yeah. That was on short notice, uh, if I remember right. So that 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 was a good that was a good win. But it, 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 she didn't she didn't look as good as she looked tonight. But obviously, a full camp changes everything. And um, fair play to her. It was a big spot for her. First kind of time she'd been in a in a big fight in a co-main event, and she got the job done pretty handy. Yeah, I just don't think she's a great fighter at all. I think that they tried to set this up to get Paige Van Zandt the title shot and she just couldn't do it. Now, whether that's a broken arm or whatever, fair enough. But yeah, it just seemed like a fail from back, from start to finish. You know, Paige has moved away from Teal Alpha Male and gone and trained with Chael Sonnen's gym. Looked like she was getting triangled there at one stage, which which would have been a bit <laughs> ironic. Uh, just doesn't seem to be a good move for her at all. She was making improvements, you know, when, when she was at Team Alpha Male. I just think that's a a bad move to be honest, and I I, I can't like I've I've always been kind of nice to Paige and Sage. I think they're both you know they're both talented people. You know they've obviously gotten pushed further than they should have because of yeah, you know the personality early. and the looks and all. But I I just don't think Paige is going to reach that level. You know and they gave her the, I thought this was a favorable enough matchup, and she still couldn't get through it. And you know, whether it's an injury or not, maybe maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe the next time will be uh, be the big one. But yeah, I wasn't impressed by either of them tonight at all. That 125 pound division, God, she they, they kind of needed Paige Van Zandt, I think, because if if Montano, Monta- I think Montano's a good enough fighter. Like, and if Montano was to go out and beat Paige Van Zandt, she get a little bit of rub off her, like, and and that would have been pretty good for her, I think, and maybe get into b- uh, bigger and better fights then. But yeah, I think it's unfortunate now that uh, that she's missed out on that. 
Right, let's move down the card further. Um, James Krause and Alex White put on a, a pretty good fight. Paula Reyes got an absolutely mesmeric KO of Matt yeah. Frivola. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Irina Aldana as well got a good win. Um, and there was a there was a few more as well. And he stood out to you on the undercard. The standing triangle. Well, it ended up being a, on the ground, but originally it was it was yeah. kind of like a jump to triangle and held him up against a cage. And, and Kang got the got the top once it hit the ground. Um, yeah, there, there was a good few decisions early, early, early on, and uh, as you were saying earlier, earlier in the podcast, uh, the undercard wasn't great. Like, but you kind of forget about that when when the main card delivers, and most people watch the main card, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, I thought the Jessica I decision was pretty bad. I thought that was an easy fight to score, to be honest. I was um, still watching the the NFL uh, with with the with the fight on 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 a streams on my laptop, so I wasn't I wasn't fully clued into that one. But yeah, the first the first two rounds went one all. To, they were pretty easy to score. Though. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. And the third round, uh, Faria was beating up Jessica on the feet, just having her way with her for the first three minutes. Then I got a takedown. Had about fifteen seconds on top. Faria got up. Then she there was back and forth, kind of nothing too much landed. Then Jessica I took her down again, maybe had 30 seconds on top. Then they got back up again and the fight ended. I did nothing with either of the takedowns. And she ended up getting that round on two scorecards. Like I don't think that's a particularly hard round to score if you know what you're talking about, if you know what you're scoring. Just I thought it was just a very, very bad decision. Um, and maybe it's you know looking for Jessica. Maybe she deserves a bit of look after you know she's. I think she's one and five in her last six, and she probably would have been cut for the UFC. So you know, fair play to her. Maybe her look is turning a little bit, but I thought it was a a bad decision to be honest. Um, just uh, one one or two more things. Irina Aldana, I thought put on an okay, good enough to see, uh, good enough display as well. Uh, she got her first UFC win, and JJ Aldrich, I thought, was very uh, impressive as well. Women's strawweight, she's someone that you know I think could be rising through the ranks as well. I think she's very good technique, maybe doesn't have, isn't the most powerful person in the world, but is someone who's you know can improve and will keep going and, and, and getting better as uh, as she goes forward. I think, but yeah, um, let's move on so until till next week, and this is this is Ooh, really here we go. One. This one, yeah, the big one, UFC. 220 coming to you live from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Heavyweight World Championship, the light heavyweight World Championship, and a few other fights as well that no one really cares about. The heavyweight title, Graham. Break it down for us. What do you think? Who's going to win? What way is it going to go? Oof. It's a tough one. Like it Keep saying it before every Francis and Ghani fight. There, there's very little... Uh, tape on him uh, <laughs> because he keeps finishing people so quickly but he, he looked a little nervous to me in the the overeem fight but he got the job done in spectacular fashion brutal brutal uh, fashion as well he he had a little bit of trouble i think who was it with was it curtis blades even in yeah, first second fight in the ufc he got taken down he didn't he didn't panic and he ended up winning the fight second round i think it was tko so he, he's very young in his career. He's only been training four or five years, and he was training even even less years back then. So you, you can kind of nearly you can nearly forget about that. Um, it's it's a really tough one, um, just because of the lack of the lack of tape. But I just I just think Francis Ngannou is going to do it. Stipe's obviously I think his game plan is going to be try to be to to 
drag him deep, uh, get him out of the first round at least, take a bit of that explosion away, maybe take him down, or if you can't take him down, push him up against the cage and take a bit of his explosion away, a bit of his energy away. But uh, Stipe hasn't used his wrestling in a, in a long while. I've been a big fan of Stipe's uh, fight style for for years, and he's, he's, he's one fight away from being the... One win away from being the most winningest uh, UFC heavyweight champion. It's five past six in the morning here. I don't need to be hearing that shit now. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so it's a tough one, but I, I think Ngani's going to do it. I think I think his, his, his raw ability, his ability is still raw, but I think his just power is just, just going to be... Like, Stipe, he, he, his boxing is good, but he's a bit hittable. And if you're hittable, and Gano doesn't even need to hit you that clean, like he's just that powerful. And there's a lot of unknowns, but if I had to make a bet on a on a fifty fifty bet, I'd a uh, fifty fifty price, I'd uh, I'd go in Gano. Yeah, and Gano reminds me a little bit of McGregor before those Mendes and and uh, and Aldo fights, where like you can s- everything he does is kind of him on the front foot. You know, you could look back at the Duffy and and. Um, What's his name? What's the name of the Polish dude who, who submitted him? Uh, oh, um, to think of. Yeah, you can look yeah. back at them, but they don't really, they don't really count. You know, he he was a lot different of a fighter, and like almost, you know, all his fights nearly were early finishes. You know, there wasn't much wrestling. You saw those elbows he got against the fence and stuff like that. And you saw the Max Holloway fight where he got the takedown. So, like Ingano was a little bit similar. You're looking at small things like that. Like I look back and I look at the Overeem fight where he was pushed against the cage, and I thought he had a little bit of trouble against Overeem at the cage. And looking at that, you're like, can someone with a better clinch do better against him there? Could Steep, I do better against him there. He's a he's a pretty good clinch. That's definitely uh, an area you can look at. Another area you can look at is the wrestling. Obviously, as you said, you know he's been uh, he had a bit of trouble early in his career. He got taken down a couple uh, couple of times. Is that is that a, a place where he can hit get hit and or you know take a hit and get get put down on his back? Then you look at Steepe. There's obviously a lot more tape of Steepe to look at. And one thing. That Stipe cries, you know, it just it just cries out at you when you're watching Stipe. His style has changed a little bit, and he's become. Look, if you watch the first Junior Dos Santos fight and the second Junior Dos Santos fight, it's it's really really easy to see. Stipe is someone who would stand in the pocket, who would, you know, who would uh, go one on one with you, throw throw his shots and wait for you to throw your shots or whatever. But then he turned. He got more confident. He started going forward. He started taking guys apart piece by piece, pushing them against the fence. You know, working with dirty boxer, picking his shots, landing those big power shots, cutting off the cage. But when he changed to do that, he started taking a lot more shots because when you become more confident, when you become uh, more loose, when you become a more attacking fighter who's intent on throwing and going forward, landing big shots, you're obviously going to leave yourself more open. And he gets hit an awful lot. He got dropped twice against uh, Alistair Overeem. He got hit hard against Junior Dos Santos. His, his leg got kicked up against Junior Dos Santos as well. You know, we saw the Mark Hunt fight. He took a lot of shots in that, although he, he, he you know, pieced Mark Hunt, Hunt up for long periods of that fight. 
And then you look at Ingenoa and you look at the power he has and the ability to knock out with one punch. Like if he hits him with a punch, Overeem hit him with, he's going to sleep and he's not getting back up for, a, you know, 10 or 15 seconds. And then you look at Ingenoa and you see the way he knocked out Overeem, where, you know, we talked about it on the podcast at the time, where he used defense and he moved his head and he, he was faster than Overeem and hit him precisely on the chin and knocked him clean out and devastated him with a coffinel on the ground, put him to sleep. Like... You put all those things together and you have the mix-up for an absolute war of a fight that's going to end in devastation. You know, Steve is either going to take him down and destroy him. He's going to push him up against the fence, use dirty boxing and beat the shit out of him. Or Ingenoa is going to push him back, not let him get in the front foot. Or move that head, counter him, land that big left hook, land that right hand knock him down, knock him out and become the new champion. One of those two things is going to happen and I can't fucking wait. So who are you picking? I'm picking Francis, to be honest. I just think Steve gets hit too much. Like watching their, watching their fights back, I did it during the week there and it just Steve gets hit way too much. You know, he, he goes forward a lot and it's really good and that's the way he's going to win a fight you know it reminds you know it reminds me a little bit of man city and liverpool today like liverpool beat man city by going forward and attacking them but they also got they, they also conceded three goals you know <laughs> at the same time so i think it's going to be that little that kind of a fight uh you know someone's going to win this 4-3 and i don't think it's going to go 90 minutes <laughs> but like uh yeah i just think i think ingano will be too fast for him will he he'll land one shot and all he needs is one shot and i think that'll do it you know stipe is gonna have to be perfect there's certain fights where you have to be perfect you know there's especially at heavyweight you when you're fighting these big hard hitters you have to be perfect like even look at robbie lawler against tyron woodley he wasn't perfect in that fight and he got hit and he got knocked out. Like, look at Tyrone Woodley against Wonderboy. Wonderboy was kind of maybe winning those fights and then he got hit with the big right hand and nearly knocked out and he lost him the fight. You know, it happens so much, you know, in lots of fights. And this is one of those fights where you have to be perfect. And it's so hard to be perfect at heavyweight over five rounds fighting someone as as big and strong and heavy hitting as Francis Ngannou. So, yeah. But Francis Ngannou isn't, isn't, isn't the only one who has knockout power. Like uh, Stipe's shown it in the, in the past as well. And and if he can get if he can get uh, Ngannou tired, wouldn't be surprised if he was the one and knocking out Ngannou in late, later round. Oh God, I can't wait for this fight. You could, yeah, you could be right. You could be right. That's that's why MMA is so good. You know, it's especially at heavyweight, as we were saying. Yeah. Like you know, you can you can be winning and. You get tired when you don't finish a guy, and then all of a sudden it changes, or it can be even a Papari Czech Congo situation where you're going in for the kill and you just get flattened. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think Ingano is a special talent, though. I really do. I think he's, I think he's the next coming of Jesus. To be honest, he's I just think you think he is a special talent, but it, it could be just a little bit too early. Like um, I said, I was picking Ingano, but you're picking Cepe. Go on, do it. No, I am picking Ingano. No, I am picking Ngannou, but I, like I, <clears throat> a couple of years down the line, I'd, I'd probably be more likely that Ngannou would be an easier pick. But time will tell, obviously. But maybe, maybe we're maybe we'll see holes in, in Ngannou's game, and he'll have to go back and close them. He has only been training four or five years, so it's it's, it's a short period of time in MMA to be training. And, and Steve has been around for a long time. He's, he's at the top for a reason. And as I was saying earlier, if he wins this. He's got the most successful title defenses in a row in the UC heavyweight history. So he's definitely no joke. Uh, it's going to be a really, really, really good fight. Yeah. 
God, I can't wait for that. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm gonna say this now. I'm not a big one, as everyone knows who listens to this podcast for like podcasts for looking at like um, press conferences and stare downs and stuff like that. But sometimes when you're looking at MMA and like the most visceral raw kind of thing, this is like a. This is like who can big brother the other guy? Who can be the alpha over the other guy? Who can make him wilt and beat him? And like I looked at the stare down they did Francis and uh, and Stipe. And it like Steve just kind of looked nervous. He looked like he knew. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, and I, I, you know, people know me. Listen to this. I don't say those sort of things. But he just, he like Francis looked like he was gonna beat him. It just looked that way. And I don't know. And like Steve is a very good fighter. He's really, really good. Steve, Steve just kind of looks awkward a lot of the time in in media situations. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it too. But yeah, I'm picking Francis anyway. And I'm looking forward. It should be fun. Uh, the co-main event in. Daniel Cormier coming back, uh, for obviously from his loss to John Jones, but John no, Jones no, no, no contest, yeah. no contest. Sorry, yeah, John Jones popped for a uh, Torino ball, and that's obviously still ongoing. But he re- regained his belt, um, and will take on now Volkan Odzimir in a pretty no good time. fight. Yeah, what, what, what do you think of Odzimir? Like Odzimir's three and on the UFC now, he's a split decision win over OSP, beat Mirsha Sarkanov and and Jimmy Mano in impressive fashion. Another kind of guy mm-hmm. that maybe we haven't seen that much of uh but five wins in a row you know a lot a lot of finishes very hard hitter fast hands we impressed with him yeah yeah he looks he he, look, he looks good like the, the the split decision against uh osp he he it was his uc debut he, he came in osp had had a good performance against john jones a losing performance but a good performance against john jones uh previously to that like he was he's an awkward fighter always at st Prue. so that was a good win, and then since then he's he's just had two lightning quick knockouts over over Sirkinov, who was highly touted, and Jimmy Manuel, who's a who's a good striker himself, and he made them he made it look easy, and uh, it, it could be another situation where it's a bit too quick for him, but it, it's 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 the fight that makes sense in the division. It's a fresh fight. Uh, he ran into a bit of legal trouble, and and maybe put the fight in jeopardy for a while. while but he's that seems to. To not be going to affect the fight, so it's it's going ahead, and I I I'm, I'm going to have to go with Cormier just because he's he's more of a known quantity and he's relentless, and even though he he lost to Jones in the fight, I know it was a no contest in the end, but he he was impressive in that fight because John Jones was looking very good and landing all sorts of damage, and he just walking through, he's able to walk through things and just implement his own game. Uh, Cormier against everybody. He, he he was able to do a little bit against Jones, not really, but everybody but Jones. He's able to do it against. He, he can get big slams. He can. He's relentless on top. He he's he's positioned over over submission, so he's not going to take chances and let you get up. He's just going to put damage on you and just keep grinding on you and push you up against a cage, dirty box, just pressure you until you break. And I think uh, I think in a five round fight. I think I think he'll probably finish Ozdemir maybe TKO in the later rounds. Yeah, it's about five months since that John Jones knockout, and I know it's a no contest, but he still got knocked out badly, and you know he's his head smashed, and that that's the only thing here that makes me think that Ozdemir has a chance because on the face of it, if you're looking at 100% Carmier against 100% Ozdemir. You know, I think it's a pretty. I think it's an easy fight for Carmier to be honest. You know, Demir is a good guy. He's good takedown defense <coughs> and all that. But Daniel Carmier is a different level of wrestling. You know, anyone except John Jones. You know, maybe Alexander Gustafson as well. 
is just getting taken down and uh, absolutely ransacked by Daniel Cormier. And I think Odzimir will be the same. But he is a big hitter. He does hit hard. And, you know, if uh, as you said there, Cormier is a guy who takes position over submission. But that's something that might give Odzimir three or four chances, you know, if this goes three or four rounds. And he is a big hitter, as we saw, you know, as you mentioned there against Manoa and a couple more guys as well. He's a guy that has one... He one punch knockout power, you know. He his name is no time because he's no time to you know stand in there and fucking wait for you to wrestle him, basically. And I think it's a dangerous fight for Cormier, to be honest. I'm probably I'm probably leaning Cormier. I'm probably going with Cormier. My uh, my official pick will be out during the week, but I I'm probably leaning Cormier at this stage. But you know he's shoving on as well. We can't forget that. And he did get that heavy knockout against John Jones. This is a big fight for Cormier. You know this will this will tell a lot about where his career is going, uh, because like after that John Jones fight, you're looking at it and saying like where is his career going? You know, he's, you know the, I know a lot, obviously the Jones popping and him getting the title back is is a big thing, but you know he's had a lot of. I'm sure it wasn't easy mentally to get back from that KO loss as well. Physically, same thing. This is. You know, and this is no no easy guy. I know Ozemir has had his problems with the lawn stuff as well. He was involved in um in a what would you call it a fight? I suppose uh, you know, and he was in court, but I don't think it's anything too serious. But you know, he said his yeah, problems. Looks like, it looks like he's yeah. gonna get uh, no time. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But yeah, this is it's an interesting fight. Like I would expect Carmier, you know, to to be very careful and maybe put on a, a kind of a Camaro Usman type of victory and maybe look for the choke or something like that. Uh, Odzimir's one um, finish, uh, one loss in, inside the distance is by submission to a neck crank. So maybe something like that, a rear naked choke or something like that, would be uh, would be the way to go for uh, for Daniel Carmier. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Um, on the undercard then. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a funny kind of the main card is weird you've calvin cater against shane burgos two two good enough kind of guys shouldn't be a bad fight but maybe weird placement to them then jean Vellante against francis marbojoso an awful just a terrible fight and thomas almeida against rob font that one should be fun yeah that's a good fight uh almeida is obviously uh he's lost a couple recently but against tough competition he's he's always exciting he, he he's he's hittable but he but he puts a good output as well as strikes and he's he's in exciting fights so that, so that should be a good a good one rob font is a, a good striker as well so uh that one could go either way but uh, but i'd go it on made in that one um jam volante yeah. is always good crack as well like he, he he's a guy who no matter if he's winning the fight or losing the fight it, it could swing the other way at any moment he's just kind of reckless fighter and maybe his fight IQ isn't isn't the best but it, it leads to absolute brawls and usually usually he's in absolute scraps so that should that should be a decent fight as well um yeah 100% yeah and that rematch between uh, Abdul Razak uh, Alassane and Sabah Humas he's on the undercard there as well Dustin Ortiz at flyweight against uh, Alexandra Pantoja who uh he was he was the dude who beat Neil Siri wasn't he in his last fight so yeah, that should be um that should be a good fight and um yeah, Maros, be, I think he beat Brandon Moreno on uh, the Ultimate Fighter as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Marilyn Marilyn Moroz against Jamie Moyle on the undercard. Islam Akachev against Clayson Tibau's back. Is that that's his first yeah. fight, I believe, since uh since being out again Papa Usada, which was absolutely shocking. I couldn't believe it. So that's his first fight since 2015. So it must have been some kind of mix up. He must have uh, must have been stood on a syringe or something. Foot cream, I think, maybe foot. Maybe maybe it was in a supplement. Maybe you remember that time he beat Khabib. Yeah, <laughs> you love that. Don't you? <laughs> you love it. Um, Darren Elkins exposed. Darren Elkins exposed because of that. Because Michael Johnson 
expose Khabib. Khabib, I don't know. I I just I don't know where I was going with that. I, but know. Yeah. I love yeah. Khabib, even though he, uh, he, his manager blocked me from his account. Did he? Legend. Khabib follows me. He blocked me, even yeah. though I think it was Ali because uh, yeah. Who's your most famous follower? Famous follower? Uh, I don't know. Probably Connor. <laughs> Dana White. Dana White as well, yeah. Does Dana follow you? Oh, yeah, fair enough. What yeah, about Dana Ronda? Follows me, yeah. What about Ronda? Does she follow you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, she follows me. Me and Ronda are good, good buds, big buds. Now. Okay. God's <laughs> recognize God's. God's recognize God's. Let's move on to Bellator and a few bits of. Um, before we start, I spoke to a representative from Bellator before the show this evening, and I was told that Bellator 192 will not be on television. Shock horror Yay. in Ireland or the UK. So, uh, yeah, you'll have to look up a stream or watch it on like a 54 day delay on a channel that we can't actually get. So, there you go. Have a happy new year to everyone and enjoy the Bellator card. Then, before we get to the positive stuff, what did you think of? Uh, Francis, I was almost going to call him Quinton Jackson versus Chelsea and be moved to the main event, and Douglas Lima versus Rory McDonald be moved to the call main. Well, it's 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 down to the casual getting the casuals in, isn't it? It's uh, they know that the, the hardcores are going to watch anyway. Hardcores aren't going to like it, and people are going to complain. But it probably makes business sense if you if you're making the ads and you're you're promoting the event. Casuals know Chael, they know Rampage. A lot of people know Warren McDonald, but maybe don't know Lima. So I think it makes sense from a, from a trying to sell, get people to watch paper uh, point of view. I'm 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 kind of torn on this, but I'm not. I I just think this is a bad idea to be honest. Like Chael and Chael and, and and Rampage are still on the card. Like they're still gonna be going out promoting it. You know, Chilton uh, is gonna be going on radio shows saying, you know, five in the east, eight in the west, or whatever the fuck it is, and and doing his spiel and stuff. Going on his podcast talking about it. That's still gonna be happening. Like, like is is them gonna being on a poster as the top names gonna make a difference? Like you can put them as co names on the poster. You can put out posters with the top names, but you can still have it as the main event. Like. I'm not sure how much difference that's actually going to make. Like I, I used to think that, but then I remember the the Demetrius Johnson main event, main event at one UFC 178, and uh, McGregor and Poirier and Yo Romero and Tim Kennedy were on the under on the under it, and I think there was another big fight. Oh yeah, uh, Rockhold and and uh, is that Rockhold and Weidman on that card as well? Um, oh no, that was a different one actually. Oh, yeah. But no, but anyway, uh, Demetrius Johnson uh, was main event, and Connor was third fight, and uh, from the top, and it didn't sell as well as I think it would have if, if they had have had Poirier and Connor on the on the title and doing one hundred percent of the media. I think it's a different. Well, I don't know, maybe, but like, I I just think you're making yourself look bad, to be honest. You know, and I, it's not. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Like. I look at it this way, right? You you get Rampage and Chael to bring the guys in. You watch that fight and then you say, coming up next, the world welterweight title fight. And you can fucking say and 
shove it down people's throats that Rory McDonald has a win over Tyron Woodley, has a win over the UFC champion. They have no problem mentioning the UFC on their broadcast. You you can say that. You can, you know, Bellator can't often do it. And, you know, it's a pet peeve of mine, people saying world champions. But you can argue that Rory McDonald, Rory McDonald is the best welterweight in the world. You can argue that. He's a win over Tyron Woodley. like, And you're, you're putting him in the co-main event. And then after that, you're saying, oh, now we have a heavyweight fight between a middleweight and a fat light heavyweight. Like, well, that's just jumping over pounds to pick up pennies, I think. It really, like, you're, Roy McDonald is a star you can build your company on that you can go for absolute years. And you're just making him look bad here. You know, you're making him look like a co-main eventer to a heavyweight fight between an old Chael Sonnen and an out of shape, doesn't give a fuck, Rampage Jackson, like. Yeah, I, I just think it looks so bad. No, I know what you're saying. Like, and it definitely makes makes more sense from the sporting point of view, and from to uh, to the, the hardcore fan base, it makes more sense. But the casual fan just wants to see Chael Sonnen and see if he can back up to whatever crap he's been talking uh, or will be talking, and they want to see Rampage because they know Rampage, and then they want to watch cops. I'm only tuning in to watch cops. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest. Let, let's talk about the fights anyway. Uh, let's talk about Douglas Lima against Rory McDonald first. And it's it, it, it's really an interesting fight. Like if if you look at Lima over the years, he's he's a guy that's gone from you know losses to um, to the likes of Ben Askren and and uh, Andre Koroshkov to come back and beat Koroshkov again, beat um, Lorenz Larkin last time out, beat Paul Daly. You know. I think he's improved so much and he's become such a good fighter over the last, what, maybe year, 18 months or so. But coming in against Rory McDonald is going to be a different one. You know, as I said, Rory, you can argue Rory is, one, is the best uh, welterweight in the world. Absolutely decimated Paul Daly in his last fight. You know, he's obviously he's beaten the likes of Tyron Woodley, uh, Damian Maya, Carlos Condit. Uh, you know, BJ Pin. Oh, no, he hasn't beaten Carlos Condit, actually. Carlos Condit beat him, but he was beating up Carlos Condit for most of the fight. But... Well, I think uh, Carlos Condit won the first round and then Roy McDonald oh, kind of took over and, and then got tired. And, and yeah, it was close anyway. Yeah, it's eight years ago. Jesus. And he was, yeah, he was like 20 at the time or something. As well. Yeah, he beat Nate, he beat Nate Diaz as well. But yeah, it's, you know, this it's a big fight as well for Roy McDonald. You know, he's always kind of got to the top and then falling back a little bit when he, when you know, when he's getting there against the likes of Lawler and Robbie, uh, you know, Robbie Lawler twice, obviously, and against Steve McDonald. And, um, Stephen McDonald. Stephen McDonald. Stephen Thompson. Jesus. <laughs> and, this is a big fight for him as well, isn't it? Uh, to, you know, to kind of prove a point and to take that, take that title and and become the big star that he's always kind of threatened to become. Yeah. Even if he does, though, I don't think he he will become the big star that he he threatened to become or that people kind of placed on him as a as a future. Future superstar, they were kind of people were kind of waiting. Oh, when GSP moves out of the way or retires or moves up or whatever it is, then Roy McDonald will take over as the as a champion because they're their teammates. They weren't they weren't going to fight, but yeah. that was a long time ago now. And as you said, he kind of stumbled at the the last hurdle a couple of times. And uh, obviously, the Bellator title is is the second biggest title you can you can you can get, but it's not it's not the the UFC title, and the UFC title brings brings that kind of start. Brings the potential of that stardom. I think uh, the Bellator title, like Mike Chandler's had it for or did have it for a few years. Nobody, nobody knows him really outside of the the hardcore fans. So uh, I don't know if the Bellator title is going to help him much, but um, it, it, the hardcore fans love him. He's great to watch. Uh, it, it, Lima, Lima is really good as well. He, he's 
Okay, he lost to Koreshkov, but Koreshkov obviously brilliant recently, and mm-hmm. um, he he came back and avenged that and finished uh, Koreshkov. So that that was probably the most impressive performance of his career. And, and then Lorenz Larkin was was looking really good uh, in the UFC and, and went to free agency, signed for Bellator, and was expected to do good things, and he was shut down by uh, uh, Douglas Lima. So. It's a massive fight for Douglas Lima. I saw him on social media saying, "Oh, he's gonna finally, finally gets to prove that he's can hang with all these top UFC guys." So he's very motivated for it. But I just think Warmington's gonna be too much for him. He's too experienced. He's been in these big spots before, like uh, many times. It's nothing to him, and it, he's just he's just so well rounded that I think uh, he's gonna be able to do enough. It, it might be a it might be a five round decision, but uh, I think it'll it'll be clear enough. Uh, I think I think it's it's Roy's fight. Yeah, I think Rory will take him down and maybe get a submission. Um, I think it's going to be a really good fight. I think Rory will have enough kind of he's reaching. Rory is just an unbelievably good game planner. You know, the only one, Robbie Lawler maybe as well, but Stephen McDonald, I know you can't fucking Stephen McDonald again. Stephen Thompson was the only one to kind of <laughs> out game plan him and beat him, you know, badly on the feet that way. Uh, but I think he'll just, he, he'll use his reach uh, well against uh, Douglas Lima. He, you know, he'll keep on the outside of him and when he gets in close, he'll bide his time, push him up against the fence or take him down in the middle of the cage and maybe get a submission or something like that. But your your point about him becoming the star in Canada, I still think he can do that. I think Canadians are a bit like Irish people, you know, and they'll get behind their, their fighter or, their, you know, their big star in their country. And I think if he was a champion and they brought a big car to Canada, I think he could become a big star there. I really think he could. Um, but... I suppose that remains to be seen, but that that's kind of the thing about this fight. You know, it's I think this is a big moving fight for Bellator because all the guys that kind of came over, uh, maybe apart from Phil Davis, you know, they've kind of flattered the sea a little bit. You know, Chael obviously lost to Tito. You know, Tito hasn't been Tito did all right, but he, you know, not brilliant. You know, Vincent Henderson kind of fell flat in his feet. Lorenz Larkin, as you said, not lost two fights you know has been pretty bad so i think this is a big one now rory mcdonald needs to go in here and win for bellator and and see where he can take the brand you know and see where he can take himself especially in canada but yeah it's it's an interesting fight definitely looking forward to it um in the comment or no sorry the main chael sonnen against rampage jackson are you with me that this is either chael taking him down and ride him out for three rounds or rampage maybe i, I know chael is underrated in the feed and you, you you always say that as well don't you but i think rampage will probably win it if it stays on the feed yeah, I'd like to see Rampage on the scale. This is a heavyweight fight, isn't it? So yeah. he he's known to be um to be uh, not great on the old diet and weight cut. So he he make him in big and uh trail gets you down. He's pretty good at uh, keeping position and doing enough in kind of half ground and pound shots to the ref doesn't stand you up. But uh, the size difference should should favor Rampage. It's a tough one to pick. They're both kind of washed up and. I, for some reason, I think Rampage is going to win, but it, it, he could t- he could turn up and look completely out of shape, and then I, I'd pick Chael. <laughs> so I, I kind of nearly reserve judgment until I see Rampage, what, what weight he's at, and um, how he looks, but uh, body wise. Yeah, uh, I've it, this is I've kind of gone back and forth in this one a little bit, and I know I said that about every fucking fight, but I, I think Rampage will win. Um, and I think the size could help him. I think he'll just be too big and fat for Chael to maybe take him down over and over. And uh, Chael is one of those guys, you know, that's not going to finish a guy uh, badly like that. You know, I know he's a, he's a good uh, submission win over uh, over Shogun and stuff like that, and he's a few stoppages, but 
he's not a guy that he's good ground and bond and stuff, but he's not maybe devastating Jeremy Stevens type ground and bond as we saw tonight, who absolutely you know decimate you and finish you. So I think he'll give Rampage a few chances, and I'm not sure Chael is the best man at this stage of his career to maybe take three or four punches if Rampage can land them on him. Uh, as I said, Chael's boxing is maybe a little bit underrated. Chael hits pretty hard too, but at heavyweight as well, you know, Rampage hits very hard, and I think he could hit him in Chael. Chael has been known to get hit, and uh, maybe not. You know, he's not exactly a Darren Elkins, I'll put it that way. You know, he's not He's not coming back from adversity in, in the way, you know, fighters like that yeah. do, so... Yeah, I, I think Rampage will catch him and maybe TKO him. See, the thing with Rampage is as well, uh, he hates Chael's style of fighting. If he gets yeah. taken down and laid on and he, he just won't. gets frustrated and he's moaning to the ref and he's giving out and he's he's kind of trying to tantrum, that, that that's happened in the past. So I could see that happening as well, but yeah, I'd, I'd slightly lean towards Rampage. Yeah. Uh, after that, then there's not much in the car, to be honest. Michael Chandler is returning. Yeah, Michael Chandler is always good yeah. to watch. Um Go to Yamaguchi. Arm Pete goes back as well. Yeah, he's fighting another uh, experienced guy. They keep putting him in against guys with good records. Maybe they haven't fought top guys, but they're experienced. He has 15 fights and 12 wins, three losses. So Pico's obviously one and one. Um, he had a, he had a bad he had a bad pro pro debut against uh, I think a guy who was eight and two so, and recovered against another experienced guy. So he's fighting experienced guys. They're definitely not giving him uh, the easiest of rides, but um, yeah. I, uh, I think they probably picked this guy for a reason, and Pico will probably win. But, yeah, uh, mo- most of this lad's fights were in Explode Fight Series. So if yeah, anyone knows that, yeah. they know that this guy isn't exactly probably the most legit, although he had a win in World Series the final last time out. But Georgie mm-hmm. Carcanyon and Henry, Cr- Henry Corrales as well in this fight. Georgie Carcanyon is a guy who, you know, he always brings it. As always f- fun. Yeah. F- what is it? To us? I'm looking at his record here. 21 finishes and 27 wins. So, uh, you know, exciting guy. You know, he's big fights with the likes of Pat Corn, Bubba Jenkins, um, Rich Glenn, Bubba, uh, Bubba Jenkins a couple of times, you know, uh, and Dean Thomas as well, who obviously we know is training, um, training uh, the welterweight champion Tyron Woodley and then Corrales, you know, beat Noad Latt in his last fight and uh, fought Pitbull and stuff. So that, that should be another, uh, another fun fight as well. But yeah, it's just a pity we can't see it. And I, I wish we could, to be honest, but... These things happen in MMA, don't they, Graham? What, what do you think about Big John McCarthy coming in as, as the co-commentator? Um, yeah, uh, I think he's very knowledgeable. and he's, he's been around the sport for ages. He was involved in the, making the original rules, and he, he definitely knows his stuff. And for him, you know, the referee pay isn't great. He's been doing it for, he's been doing it for a good 20 years now. I'd say he's happy enough to, to go into the boot for a while and just... He he had a podcast with uh who was this podcast with again? Sean Wheelock, was it or no? I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. He had a podcast with somebody, John Anik, was it maybe? It's somebody anyway. Yeah. He had a yeah, he had a podcast anyway, and he he seemed well able to speak and stuff. I know it's different when you're calling live fights, but uh um, I'm not exactly sure what kind of uh, role he's gonna play. Maybe they'll, they'll they'll kind of consult him on things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I think he should be a good addition. I'd say. Um. It's a pity for the UFC that uh he won't be reffing there for the foreseeable future. But uh, um, yeah. For John McCarthy, it's it's probably a good move. It's probably more money for an easier job. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great move for him. But for MMA, I think it's a huge, huge, huge loss. Like him not refereeing those big fights is bad because Herb Dean is probably the one who's going to step into his shoes a lot of the time, and Herb is. Fallen away as a referee, in my opinion. He's 
he's not as not a good. Oh, we got referee. we got big Josh back anyway. For little yeah, Josh. Josh, yeah, jo- Josh Rosenthal is a good referee. I actually like keep keep Peterson as well. He refereed. Yeah, he did a good he, job you know, tonight. He, yeah. He's improved. He's a guy who made a lot yeah. of mistakes. Dan Morgiata. Big Dan. Yeah. 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 Dan is improving as well, but Big John is the, you know, Big John and Mark Goddard for me are the two best in the world and have been for a while. Big, big Mark. <laughs> <laughs> big Mark Goddard, yeah, Big Mark Goddard. So, yeah, it's it's a big loss, but I, I think he'll be good at this. I think he's done it. Has he done it somewhere before? I I, I, I remember him doing it. I, mean, I don't know, maybe it was jiu-jitsu or something, but I seem to remember him commentating on fights, but uh, maybe not. He probably he did over the years at some yeah. stage. He's been around for so long and... He probably has at some stage. Somebody tweet Jordan Breen, he'd know, or Grabaka Hitman, then buys it now. But yeah, um, he'll be good. And then Jimmy Smith signed with the UFC. Uh, I, yeah, I think uh, talking about this last one. We talked about that last week, yeah. But I, I think it'll be a good. It's official. Now. I think it'll be a good yeah. uh, addition as well. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely good, and uh, they're looking to expand. They brought in a few guys who uh, expand their their commentary. They brought in a few guys who who don't really seem to know much about the sport. So uh, I think it's better to bring in guys like Jimmy Smith who are experienced and who like I think he has a five or, or six and one record himself and he still he still does jujitsu and trains and stuff. So I think uh, yeah he's knowledgeable, he's experienced and he, he'll fit right in flawlessly. I'd say. Did Nine McGregor get a job with the UFC? You said they brought in people with shit knowledge. What was that? What you said? <laughs> <laughs> he must be delighted after tonight. Paul Felder in the boot. Sure, Hawani called him out on his uh, botching all the <laughs> fighter names. Habib Nurmagomedov, huh? Who? Who's this? Oh, oh no, what's what? Duke Dukeznai, Tom Dukeznai, Dukena, Dukenai. Yeah, he has a different okay. pronunciation every fucking every time, time he says. <laughs> he's a gas man he's a gas man right uh let's get to the questions if you want to send us in a question you can send it at severe my pod over on twitter you can send it to at or um severe my podcast at gmail.com and email as well if you want to get us there uh he helps myself and graham at, i'm at john gmba graham's at severe my if anyone wants to sponsor the podcast as well hit us up an email severe my podcast at gmail.com we'll get back to you um so here we go the naked day Q&A after a couple of weeks off he's back with the naked day Q&A true or false Graham Cameron Usman's next fight will be against a guy ahead of him in the rankings so uh, he, at the moment he is at number da, 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 where's Usman 10 so the guys ahead of him Ponzinibbio Magni Till Masvidal Maya Lawler Covington RDA Thompson and Woodley I think it probably will be true but by the time the new rankings come out he could be a bit higher and that's a good point. Maybe, yeah, so uh, it'll be it'll be somebody in the top ten anyway. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna go true now, but false after the rankings come out. So there you go. Will we see two new champions crowned this weekend? Mm, false. I think there'll be one. Mm, Although no, hold on. If you're count, if you're counting Bellator as well, oh, okay. if you're counting Bellator, Oof. I'm gonna uh, say true. Counting Bellator, are true. Yeah. yeah. There's probably yeah, some other world who's right, gonna. There's probably some other world titles going around mm-hmm. somewhere in the world. The CWFC so World Championship. Mike yeah. Van Grand against Jeremy O'Brien for the World CWC title. Jeremy's eight and six. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Paige Van Zandt will ever fight, I presume he means never fight for the UFC title. They'll do their best to position her. To... I don't know I'm how long not, she's going to stick around, to be honest. Um, I say she won't fight. I'm not sure. Can they give her an easier fight than what she got tonight, to be honest? I'm not sure. Ah, they can find somebody. They can find That's somebody. true. That is true. No, I think false. Yeah, I don't think she will. 
a current uh, this is a good one a current unranked fighter will win a UFC belt in 
you know, could he be a 500,000 pay-per-view by star? Maybe. Mm, yeah, I think he needs to improve his English a bit, maybe. Uh, when we, I was talking to him at the UCPI. Uh, oh, he, name he dropping. Was, he was uh yeah the UCPI dropping that dropping that name. Uh, Who else is that? Who else he, 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 ask, he asked him a question and he he may answer a completely different different question. Uh, and you just kind of got to go with it. <laughs> but uh, he's obviously he was homeless there a few years ago. He's, his English is coming along, so he looks scary. He's big. He's he's, he's knocking people out left and right. If he if he if he beats Deepa, it's probably going to be by knockout. So. He has that belt around, around his waist. Too. People, I can see people getting on the hype train. 500,000 is a lot. Like When people talk about pay-per-view numbers, they don't really talk about how easy it is to get high-quality streams and free streams and illegal streams and all that stuff. So uh, it's hard to sell 500,000 pay-per-views these days. Um, I don't see it happening straight away, but if, if, if he keeps knocking people out in the first round and knocks out Stipe and knocks out a couple more people and see i could easily see it catching on then he has a long way to go to get there like it's a risky division or it's a tough division there's a reason why steep is looking to break this record with only three title defenses mm-hmm. the fights can change real quick like you can be on top of the world like uh junior de santos were knocking out came Velasquez in front of nine million people on fox and then you can take the beating of a lifetime and never be the same again off, yeah. off some heavyweight. So things can change very quickly at heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, the Honourable Mr. Inari at Marty underscore L-A-T-A. Does Darren Elkins deserve a title shot? If yes, how poorly does that go for him? That's, that's actually a very, very good question. <laughs> I think he probably does. Himself and T-City, I think, are around there deserving a title shot over Frank Yeager, who does not deserve one. But I think it'll go very poorly for him, to be honest. I, I don't think, you know... He'd take a lot of shots against Max Holloway. Yeah, yeah. Just give him the Korean zombie and then whoever wins that title shot. Yeah, let's do that. Let's make that happen. That'll be fun. Uh, Mr. Podge asked that again. We'll get to one of Mr. Podge's ones again in a second. Jimmer Nolan, more importantly, can't wait to hear Sean Chi admit that Liverpool are better than Man United on the podcast. Man United are still ahead of Liverpool and they have a game in hand and you know they have three, three goals ahead of Liverpool with the same amount of points. So can you say that? No. No, I can't. Uh, uh, Liverpool are undefeated in Europe as well. Don't forget that. Are they? Have been, are they? Have they not lost, no? Yeah. No. Sure, sure. Yeah, I suppose now that England's not in Europe anymore, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, Liverpool are good, though. I hate them with an absolute fucking passion, but fair play to them. Well, what's the crap for Van Dyke today? Oh, he's a fucking prick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, do you hear him cursing today on American TV? They're actually, how funny is the, the, the Conte and uh, uh, yeah, the Mourinho thing? Like, the, the media blew that. Like, Jose Mourinho was saying that he's changed. That was the trolling like of the highest order. I don't think it was. I think really? he was taking a piss out of himself. And then, like, no, the media, he, I, no, I don't. I, I, he talked for like three minutes about, like, oh, I, I don't blame him. It must have been the, the journalist phrasing it. Uh, I know how they are. Like, I used to be like yeah. that and all that stuff. And he's like, but one thing I'll never be caught doing is, is match fixing. <laughs> that was after. That was like a couple of days later. But the start of it, oh, it was man, all the journalists. And then Conte flew off the fucking handle. Like, when, when I saw the article first, I was like, oh, he's taking a shot at Klopp. I thought, because Klopp is the one who's always doing bullshit and underline. Like, and then people were saying it's content. I was like, where did that come from? Like, he never mentioned content, never made any, like, 
uh, signs that are towards Chelsea or anything. And then someone asked Conte about it, and Conte flew off the handle, and Mourinho's like, all right, go on, I'll twist the knife. it was previous, though, wasn't it? There was previous oh, was. with uh, Mourinho, like, stared him down when he was, like, celebrating on the sideline or shouting on the sideline and then, like, said something about it afterwards uh, after the Chelsea played Man United. But, yeah, he, he, he Mourinho's just having the crack, just trolling Conte, and Conte... Rose to it. Yeah, Mourinho absolutely ruined him when they got into it. And then Mourinho today was like being the bigger man and all. He was like, Look, I know when uh when I'm wrong and I'll I'll apologize if I'm wrong and I'll like I could be the bigger man and I think other people kinda need to do the same thing. <laughs> God, can you can imagine Kante listening to him just going fucking insane after you know having a lot of shit results saying it's even better. Brilliant. <coughs> Michael O'Shea. At Mick O'Shea MMA asks, he quotes a tweet uh, about Mike Mike Bond saying, in the 18 months leading up to the implementation of the early wins for MMA, a total of 17 fighters missed weight for UFC bouts. In the 18 months since, 51 fighters have missed weight or failed uh, failed to weigh in for the UFC bouts. We've talked about this weigh-in thing a lot over the last while. Zach Cummings and Uriah Hall missed it. Like... Uh, just uh, just my thoughts on it at this moment. I think you need to tear up the whole system. And it's the only way to fix it. I think you need to pay, uh, whatever, 150 quid for them to go to a doctor three times a year, every fighter, and get hydration tests, get their weight tested, get their body fat tested, and see what their natural weight is, and do it over a year. And then you class everybody by their weight. You keep monitoring it. If they go up and put on a shitload of muscle, you move them up a weight. They don't have to weigh in the day before a fight. You monitor it throughout all the time. I think that's the only way to fix it. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Uh, like, I don't think you're going to stop people gaming the system by making little bits of changes like the California uh, Athletic Commissioner doing and things like that. I think it needs to be torn up and that's the only way to fix it or else it's going to keep being problems over and over again like we are seeing now. Yeah, it's it's going to take a very serious like incident or a death in the UFC to, to change it. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about this before, but... Royal Hall got pulled from his fight against Vitor Belfort for collapsing or fainting or whatever you want, they want to call it um, yesterday. So that doesn't seem to be enough to 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 cause much of a stir. It just it's kind of people are used to it now. It just it's just part of the process, and it's gonna take it's gonna take something like what happened in I think it was one FC. Mm-hmm. Or uh, like Hanbarau stories come out about him when he was fighting for when he was UFC champion or, or interim champion. I can't remember. He, he collapsed and hit his head or passed out or you know nobody yeah, really it? seems to care. Nobody remembers that. It's, it's going to take something more serious and hopefully it doesn't take somebody dying, but it probably will. Yeah. Right. One or two more questions here. One from Mr. Podge. Sorry, Mr. Podge, for in the podcast. It took us so long to get there. At one, Mr. Podge. He asks, where do you see Jimmy Smith fitting in? Uh, Fox cards, uh, pay-per-view, or, or something, some bit of both? I, I think, I don't think he'd be on pay-per-view straight away. I think they'll keep Joe Rogan for a while and maybe transition to Jimmy Smith when Joe Rogan wants to leave. But I think they'll put him in in the Fox cards, you know, uh, Paul Felder did I thought did a, a phenomenal job tonight we didn't mention him enough and I think uh, Brendan Fitzgerald is actually pretty good as well to be honest I think he's better than the new guy Dan Helly they brought in as well 
uh, but you know Felder, DC and Dominic Cruz are all fighting as well so it's handy to have someone like Jimmy Smith who you'll never have a problem you know booking him if you want to book him for something six months down the line you know he's going to be there you know he's, you know, he's not going to be uh, booked in a fight or anything like that he's working on the desk actually as well this weekend so I think he's going to be doing a doing a good bit of stuff and you could see him doing talking head stuff as well for uh for the ufc so um yeah i, I think that's do you know what i like to see him doing as well maybe on pay-per-view scoring the rounds remember like eddie bravo used to do years ago keep him like in the background not on commentary he comes in between rounds and i think that was a 10-9 or whatever so he can just watch him and not do commentary at the same time but score the rounds in the background i think that'd be that'd be an idea what do you think i, think, I think when people score when the commentator score rounds like he does in bellator a lot of the time uh it ends up influencing the, the people's if he gets it wrong people mm-hmm. assume he's right or they just kind of if they're unsure they go oh well I'll, I'll go that way then and it kind of distorts the perception of the fight but i suppose that doesn't affect the actual outcome the judges don't know that so it doesn't really matter but uh, it yeah. might lead to it might lead to to more arguments about scores but people love to argue about that so maybe maybe that's a good thing Nobler, we actually forgot to talk about it earlier. Friend of the podcast at Nobs Eleven and Wally Frogmore as well. Wherever you are, Wally, if you have any questions there, friend of the podcast as well. Friend of made me a lovely profile picture. Yeah, he asked about Yoel Romero versus uh, Luke Rockhold and uh, Robert Whitaker being out. Yeah, oh, it's just so annoying, isn't it? Fucking oh, hell, it's a fucking mess. Like people were crying out for this division to move on from Bisping and GSP and all, and now you have a fight between. Two guys who have one win in the last year and a half, and that's over fucking David Branch. Like, um, Yoel just got beaten by uh, by Robert Whitaker for an interim title. Yoel, or um, sorry, Luke Rockhold just got knocked out by Michael Bisping for the real title not so long ago. And now they're fighting uh, for another yeah. interim title after the interim champion was just made an official champion. It's a fucking mess. Yeah, yeah. Um, um... It's, it's it's very unfortunate. Um, I don't, I don't think the exact injury was disclosed, was it? No, no. He's apparently it's a couple of different things, but I don't think he wants to tell people what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably a knee in that case. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I was thinking of as well. But yeah, what um, it's, it's unfortunate. But mm. it makes sense to to put Yo Romero in, I suppose. Uh, Does it though? A lot of people saying it's, it's, it's a fresh, it's a fresh, it's a fresh matchup from the. Jack Ray and Rockall the fought before. It was a good fight though. You could do that again, but mm-hmm. uh, Jack Ray was kind of uh, Jack Ray lost to Whitaker as well. So it it, it makes sense to put this fight together. It, but it's not it's not ideal, and obviously the belt doesn't really matter. But uh, it's better to have them cleared up. But it doesn't really matter. Rockhold had a good win against Dave Branch, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 just it's just unfortunate. Not much you can do. Robert Whitaker's probably doing the right thing, pulling out if he if he has a couple of injuries. You don't want to be going in there against Luke Rockhold, not a hundred percent. So Luke Rockhold, obviously, people remember remember him most recently for being knocked out by Bisping, but mm-hmm. he's extremely good and he beat the living crap out of Chris Weidman, and Weidman mm-hmm. hasn't been the same since. So Whitaker didn't want to be on the end of that. So it was, it was a good decision to pull out if he's injured. So fair play to him, but. It's very unfortunate for for the fans in the UFC. I think Yoel will knock him out uh, because Luke Rockall doesn't have a great chin, and I think Yoel hits very hard. You know, we've seen him coming on late in fights as well, knocking lads out, and then you end up with a rematch between Yoel Romero and and Robert Whitaker, which is which is oh, Jesus, not that's not good at all. But um, these things happen in MMA. 
Uh, all right, I think we leave it there. Thanks to everyone for listening uh, and for all the great questions, obviously, throughout the throughout the week. Um, find us on Twitter at Severe Megram. I'm at Chanchi and BA, SevereMay.com. Obviously, follow us there. Um, I think I'll have a video size up again this week, so please subscribe to the Severe Art YouTube channel uh, over on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, all that good stuff. And, and I think, um, and say, Graham, before we go. No, uh, hopefully Man United lose tomorrow. That'd be that'd be perfect weekend for sport. You're like you're so mean. Man United over Stoke, they deserve it. They deserve a win now. Man United have been feeling good late, lately. Alexis Sanchez, Stoke my boy. Absolute trash now, as well, aren't they? They got rid of Mark Hughes, so they'd probably be better than they were. So be grand. These things happen. Yeah. Congratulations to you and your Vikings. Who else is left in the NFL? Yeah, teams. never in doubt. Never in doubt. <laughs> are they are they into the Super Bowl now? Or are they into like uh, no the championship game? Now, they play Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Uh, Carson Wentz, their quarterback, towards ACL a few games ago, so they have their backup quarterback in there. But the Vikings also have their their third quarterback in Case Keenum. So uh, who are the, who are the two yeah. teams in the other semifinal? Um, in New England and the Jaguars. The Jaguar. How the fuck did they? They're not terrible, no? Sure, Tom Brady. They beat, uh, they beat the Steelers today, and in, in, it was like 54 51 or something ridiculous. It was, I actually have or, a Steelers jumper on as we speak, so there you go. Or 40 41. Oh, it was a ridiculous high scoring game, anyway. Yeah, sure, it's going to be another handy. Um, I thought you were a Green Bay fan, yeah. I am, yeah. Turn I am. It's going to be another handy, handy uh, Super Bowl for Tom Brady. Do you know what Minnesota should do now if they're missing their quarterback? They should bring back Brett Favre. That's what they should do. Uh, we want bread we want bread all right that's it thanks for listening all we have now to wait for is the inspirational quote of the week here it goes change your thoughts and you will change your life we'll see you next tuesday or monday or maybe sunday